Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. We're so glad that you're here today and we're starting a new series. And I'll just tell you, it's been an exciting past couple of weeks. Last Sunday in both services, there were a total of 10 people who got water baptized. And then this morning in first service, there were seven other people who followed the Lord in obedience and were water baptized today. And so I just wanna tell you, it's amazing. I get excited about that for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons is because it just shows that God is doing an inner work in the lives of people and they want to go public with what God has done. And so it's just exciting to see them taking that step of obedience and following the Lord's example. And I'll just tell you the excitement for what God is doing right now is palpable. It's so, so good. Today we're starting a new series called Missio Day. Missio Day. The, the Missio Day is a Latin term that means the mission of God. Long before you were born, long before this church was ever started, God was on mission. And sometimes we need to be reminded of such simple things. The mission of God for my life didn't begin December 24th, 1980, the day that I was born. The mission of God has been going long before I was ever born. And I didn't enter into the mission of God in chapter one when I was born. Instead, we entered into the mission of God in chapter way into the book, you know, and the book's not finished being written yet. If we're not careful, we'll look at the mission of God as if we are at the center of it. We'll view it through the lens that we are the heroes of the story. We'll think that we're greater than God. But God has always been at the center of the mission of God. He's always been the main character. He's always been the hero, right? And we're beneficiaries of the, of the mission of God. From the beginning of this word till the end, all things point to him. He created it all and the end tells us that he rules and reigns victorious. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we have nothing to fear. The eyes of the world are currently on Israel. For many Christians, Israel is at the top of their prayer list. And if it's not, I would encourage you to move it up there. We should be praying for the peace of Israel. And anytime there's war in the Middle East, Christians will begin to ask this question, is this the end of the world? Is this the end? How many of you have seen or heard people asking these questions lately? You know, or you're asking these, these questions. Is, they wonder, is this ushering in the end times? Can I just tell us this morning that whether there is war or whether there is peace in, in, in the Middle East and in Israel, it should not change the way we live. And some of you are amening and some of you are nodding your head yes and some of you just gave me this confused look. Like, why? Why would that not change the way we live? Well, the reason why it shouldn't change the way we live is because we should be living with such a sense of urgency and expectation that Jesus could return at any moment, right? And so we're living in such a way that our lives are in, in alignment with his word and we're living lives that are obedient to him. And so what should we be doing? We should be praying for the peace of Israel. We should pray for, the people who are, pray for people who are far from God. 
We should make sure, again, that our lives are in obedience to the word of God. Someone once said, you know, when talking about the the last days, they said, I don't know when the last days are, but I know that I'm living in my last days. In other words, I'm not going to live forever. You're not going to live forever. No one knows the day when Jesus is going to return, but we should serve the Lord faithfully and with gladness, knowing that he is God. He's always been God and will always be God. We should tell as many people as possible about Jesus. Through Kingdom Builders, our church is able to respond in moments like this. One of our global partners is Convoy of Hope. For those of you who were here with us Easter Sunday, we did a one day to feed the world offering and we mobilized that day $30,000 to Convoy of Hope for them to use around the world. They're able to respond to crisis in moments like this in the Middle East. There's another Kingdom Builder partner called Network 211 that we've been able to support through Kingdom Builders. This week I received an email from them and I wanna read an excerpt of it for, for our church today. It says, as you know well, Let me back up for just a second. Network 211 leverages technology. It leverages the internet to share the gospel around the world. So in that backstory, you know, as it says, as you well know, on October 7th, our world changed once again as terrorists savagely attacked Jewish people in Southern Israel. The response may not be limited to that region, but has the potential to involve many nations on a global scale. The tragedy is heartbreaking to say the least. So much more commentary could be written, but the point today is that our response as believers is what we must pray. We must pray that our Father's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We must pray that God will protect the innocent ones on both sides of the war. We must pray that God who sets up kings and kingdoms and takes them down will move in his sovereign timing and bring justice and peace. We must pray that what man meant for evil, God will use for good, and that is the saving of many lives. It continues, meanwhile, we must take seriously our task to go into all the world and make disciples. We believe sincerely that, he says, we believe sincerely that the fields of the internet are white unto harvest. We're using the internet as a means to plant the seeds of the gospel into hearts and lives of individuals around the world. The answers to war and rumors of war is for people to repent and give their lives to Jesus. Jesus alone brings peace and joy. It's towards this end that it's vital for us to share the good news with everyone everywhere. They continue. It's with your partnership. Churches like ours, people who give to kingdom builders, those who tithe, that they're able to plant the seeds of the gospel in 242 countries and territories. In the nations in the Middle East, we received salvation responses in countries such as Egypt, Israel, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. He continues, as the Gaza Strip is in the news, they checked their Google Analytics to see what Network 211 shared there. Google labels Gaza and the West Bank as Palestine. He says, since we launched our evangelism online interactive communities in October of 2008, We presented the gospel to 18,753 individuals in Palestine. Of that number, 228 made an evangelism response. He says, we thank the Lord. And he continues, I found it interesting that 14,349 of our visitors viewed our site, who Jesus is in either English or Hebrew. 
So 76.5% of the visitors to that site from Gaza and the West Bank were searching for answers about Jesus. Come on, somebody. Like there is a world that is hungry, that is waiting for the church to shine bright. And, and I just love that we're able to be a part of these types of stories through those who tithe and, and give generously to kingdom builders. Well, for us, as we think about Missio Dei, the mission of God, I think it's important that we go back to the beginning of this incredible book called The Bible. I had a little girl come up to me this morning and she handed me her Bible and she said, you can use this, you can borrow this if you would like. And I was so confused by like what she was saying, but her mom said that they were watching first service online. And that when I talked about this book, she said, mom, is that a special book? well, how special and precious this book is. But she says, you have a book just like it. And so they showed up to second service and she brought her book and said, I could use it. I let her keep her pink book, her pink Bible and take it to kids church with her. And I'll just use this one. But what an incredible book that it is. And we go back to the beginning of this book called the Bible. And in Genesis chapter one, we see the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all things. And when he was done, he called it good. He created the world and said it was good. He created an atmosphere in which life could thrive. The sheer number of things that have to be working in tandem for us to have a climate and an environment for human life to thrive is unfathomable. He said a daily and a weekly pace. We have the privilege of living in a part of the world where we have day and night, a natural cycle of rest and work. God worked six days in creating the earth and he rested on the seventh and he set the model and gave us the instructions and commands us to have the same flow. He created Adam and Eve and told them to populate this amazing planet that he created. And Adam and Eve were living in this beautiful place called the Garden of Eden. Now I don't think our imaginations could even conjure up the image of what this would have looked like. Adam and Eve were given free will. God gave them the ability to do what they wanted, say what they wanted, and believe what they wanted. And he still does that for humans today. To my knowledge, all of us in this room are living, breathing humans. I don't think that any of you are AI-driven robots who just have flesh, you know, in this place this morning. God has created each of us with brilliant minds to think on our own, to speak on our own, to act on our own, and to choose good or evil. In Genesis chapter two, God gives Adam instructions to not eat from a specific tree. The tree was called the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he tells him that if they eat, if he eats from this tree, that there will be consequences. He will die. God looks at Adam and tells him that he needs a helper. And so he creates Eve. And in Genesis chapter two, we see this verse that's read in many weddings. Genesis chapter two, verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. God created the establishment of marriage for a man and a woman. And in Genesis chapter three, the serpent speaks a word that's contrary to God's and Adam and Eve begin to have doubts. They end up doubting God's motives. They doubt his character, and in one conversation with the serpent, they put their trust in him rather than in God. There's a saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. 
And I think that that phrase is completely applicable today, but I, I wanna add on to that and I'll say this, show me who and what you're listening to and I'll show you your future. Show me who and what you're listening to and I'll show you your future. Here's the reality, some in this room or watching online could be so isolated that you don't have any friends. And so then what you're listening to is either gonna shove you further into isolation or it's gonna bring you out of that pit. The stuff we listen to is either driving us towards peace and health or it's literally making us crazy. The stuff that we're listening to is either drawing us closer to God or pushing us further away from him. Show me who and what you're listening to and I'll show you your future. One little conversation with the serpent led to the downfall of humanity. This was the downfall of humans that continues to this day. God had created and has created an environment and given orders that if we'll obey, will lead us to thriving and living lives that are glorifying to him. The enemy of our souls cunningly deceives people into believing that God is a liar, that he can't be trusted. And as soon as Adam and Eve ate from the tree, they knew that they had messed up. They knew it in their knower, they felt it in their gut. And we've all been there. They did exactly what God told them not to do. He gave them everything and told them not to do this one thing, to not eat from this one tree, and that's exactly what they did. And I can't imagine for them how one moment changed everything and led to huge ripple effects. Now, I want you to see what God did in Genesis right after these humans blew it. After Adam and Eve blew it, God came to them. God came to to them. I'm going to go back in the way back machine of the recesses of my brain and share a story with you today from second grade. How many of you remember second grade? Okay, those who are older than me are like, there's no chance. Those who are younger than me were like, it was just yesterday, you know? Congratulations. I don't remember much from second grade, but I will tell you there's this memory that's etched in my brain. And it was we were having a test or a quiz where we were given a blank map and we were to write in the continents and the names of a few countries. Now, I had not prepared near to the level that I should have to be able to pass that test. So when no one was looking, I took my mechanical pencil and I clicked it a couple of times, you know, so the lead would drop down. And I wrote the answers in such a way on my desk that when the test was handed out, I would be able to write them on the map. Some of you are like, shame, shame, shame. You're a pastor. How could you do that in second grade? I know, I know. I'm sorry to let you down. Apparently the teacher wasn't born the day before like I thought she was. <laughs> Test is handed out. I began writing answers down. And from the front of the classroom, she says, Jonathan, are you looking at your desk? Have you written the answers to this on your desk? can someone please pull the fire alarm? I'm like, Jesus can now be the moment when you return. Oh, wait, I was just cheating. I don't wanna miss the rapture. God, would you forgive me? Now, Jesus, can you return? Right, the teacher begins to walk to my desk. There's no escape. I can't go anywhere. And I'm like, Jesus, your blood washes away our sin. Can you perform a miracle and wash away the lead markings on this desk so she doesn't see it? Oh, she walks up and she sees it. I was caught 
no escape. I had let the teacher down, let myself down. The bottom line is I failed the assignment. My parents were contacted. That's fun in second grade. You can imagine what happened to me when I got home. Can I tell you that the bottom line is I failed that assignment, but eventually I passed the second grade. (laughs) Life went on. Adam and Eve found themselves in the lowest place that humanity had ever been in. They felt the consequences of their sin. There was no escaping it. And then God is calling out to them in the garden. They're busted. And unlike the experience with the teacher, God wasn't coming to them to humiliate them or embarrass them. He was calling out to them to redeem them. Don't miss this. In the lowest moment of Adam and Eve's humanity, God came to them. He knew what they had done, and while they had failed the test, God was still committed to their success and redemption. Some of you couldn't be any lower than where you are right now. You've hit rock bottom, and God is calling out to you not to shame you and not to humiliate you, but to rescue you and to set you free. And in the garden, God has this dialogue with Adam and Eve about what's happened the consequences to follow. And in verse number 21 of Genesis chapter three, God extends incredible compassion to Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter three, verse 21, it says, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. God made garments for them. This passage is significant. How many of you ever watched the show, I Dream of Jeannie? Okay, there's a few of you. Uh, Some of you are like, I've never heard of that. You are way too young. And so uh, here's the deal. It was a show that came out in the 60s. I was not around then. And they replayed it in the 80s. And there was this genie on the show who had magical powers. And so when she would do some kind of facial expression, then magical things could happen, you know? And so anyway, uh, when I read certain scriptures in the Bible, sometimes... Like I envision as I read Genesis chapter three, verse 21, that God made clothes, that he just did some kind of facial expression and voila, clothes appeared onto Adam and Eve. That's not what happened. In Genesis chapter three, verse 21, it says that God made them clothes out of animal skins and animals life had to be taken in order for them to be clothed. God himself was the one who took the animal's life to provide warmth and covering for the human's. Later in Genesis, God will require the sacrifice of animals to provide a blood covering for human sin. This gesture was a foreshadowing of when Jesus would come to this earth to give his life as a ransom for many. Eventually, Jesus himself would bleed and die to provide a final covering for the sins of all who would trust in him for salvation. Adam and Eve in the garden, as God is calling out to them, tried to cover their shame with fig leaves. But God had another plan. How often do we try to cover up our shame and our shortfalls and our sinfulness by trying to clothe ourselves in self-righteous good works? We go to church, we serve, we give a little, all while trying to piece together fig leaf coverings of our own making. But God says that our righteous acts are like filthy rags. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse number six, it says, we've all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and in our iniquities like the wind takes us away. We need God more than we know. 
Without him, there's no hope for us in this life or the next. And seeing man's sinful condition, God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world. He lived a sinless life. He died a horrific death on a cross so that when we respond to the gospel, when we surrender our whole lives to him, that we can find forgiveness of sins. Before we confess Jesus as our savior, the wrath of God is on us. We're called children of wrath. When we're not followers of Jesus, our sin compounds and stacks upon stacks upon sin upon sin. And that's a weight that, and a burden that we're not meant to carry. While it's true that we serve a loving God, he's also a just God and he will not allow for unconfessed sin to go unpunished. But the good news for us is that he sent Jesus. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The mission of God is to draw men to him. His will is that none would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. And again, in this, we see Jesus coming to us. He did the will of the Father. He was on mission with God. He lived a life obedient to God. He taught, he made disciples, he performed miracles and ultimately laid down his life for us. So we look at uh, at moments in our life, there are times when we've had just the right person at just the right moment who's encouraged us and been what we needed at that time. And I think about nearly 10 years ago as we started this church, I was so green and so new at being a lead pastor. There was so much that I didn't know. And thank God there was a, a seasoned mentor and seasoned pastor that I was able to reach out to. who was able to guide and direct me. He was exactly what I needed in that season. Through different seasons of our church, God has brought people, some of you even, to speak a timely word into my life and be an encouragement to me. And, and, and there have been these moments when, when God has provided exactly what I've needed for that moment. Throughout the history of the world, God has given humanity exactly what we've needed. God the Father walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. God the Son, Jesus, living with humanity. He lived among us and can empathize with us in anything that we face. And at the end of his life, he tells us that he must leave, but in his place is one who's coming who's even greater. Along the way, God has given humanity what we needed it in the moment that we needed it. With the birth of the church, he sent God the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Once again, God came to us. God the Holy Spirit empowered believers to launch his church into the world. The mission of God today is fulfilled through the local church. The local church is God's plan A. So what do we do with that? Well, I hope like we start by not messing it up. You know, let's not mess it up. Let's work together to provide a healthy expression of the kingdom of God. Let's work together to be a place where the lost can be saved, the bound set free, the broken restored, and the hopeless find hope. The church is a gathering of believers and it's a global movement. It's done in community and not in isolation. It's why I'm so grateful that so many of you are part of small groups and and you're meeting outside of even Sunday mornings. God's fulfillment of his mission is through the church. And he's extended an invitation for us to be on mission with him and join him in this redemption story. Our mission has to be his mission. Like we don't wanna do something contrary to his mission. It's why when we thought about like, why do we exist as a church? And we came up with this phrase, it wasn't because we thought the phrase was innovative or cute. It's like, God, what is the mission for your church? 
And so we came up with, it's to inspire and equip people to give their whole lives to God, to grow in their relationship with Him and go tell the world the good news. This is God's mission. We're not only on mission, we're on the right mission. We're undistracted and laser focused on the fact that God is on mission and we wanna be where he is and we wanna do what he wants us to do. As we think about the 12,000 people within a 10 mile radius of our church who don't go to church, who are currently living without hope, God in this moment has sent this church to this place for this time to be on mission with God seeking and finding the lost, not to bring humiliation and embarrassment, but to bring freedom and salvation. We're not the main characters of Missio Day. We're not the heroes of Missio Day. But for some reason, believers filled with the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, are given an invitation to join and be on mission with God. What an honor and what a privilege. We get to demonstrate the mission of God and proclaim the mission of God. We get to demonstrate that God has saved us, that he's changed us and transformed us. And then as people who've been given much, much is required. So then we proclaim the mission of God to others. We tell them that what he's done for us, God wants to do for them. And now we come to this moment in the service like we do each week where we give an opportunity for people to respond to the mission of God. You're not here today by accident. You're not here by some kind of chance. God has brought you here today to hear the message of the gospel so that your heart can be turned towards him. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You've never confessed your sins to him. And you say, today, I wanna move from being a child of wrath to being a child of God. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and the weight of sin is so great on you. And today you're finally at a spot where the spirit of God is tugging at your heart, telling you to lay it down, to ask God for forgiveness so that your sin could be cast as far as the East is from the West. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walk with God but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. Just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, God. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Let's all stand. There were at least two hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior, be my king. Take over every area, take over every aspect. 
and help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer today, I'm gonna ask that you would do a couple of things. Number one is I would love for you to tell the person that invited you or the person sitting to your left or right of the decision that you've made today so that they can encourage you in the decision and encourage you in the journey that God wants to take you on. In addition to that, we leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. In just a moment, the prayer team's gonna make their way to both sides of the stage. And if you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer today, I would encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward and let the person know that you made that decision. Let them pray a prayer of blessing for you as you start this new relationship and this journey with God. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. Right after that, the worship team's gonna lead us in another song. The prayer team will be up here. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward. God, we thank you so much for your love for us. God, that you come to us, that in, in our lowest moments, Lord, you don't come to us to, to shame us or humiliate us or embarrass us. You come to rescue us. Lord, for those in this room and watching online who still need rescuing, Lord, those who are trapped in a pit of despair and sin, God, I pray that today would be a day when they would confess you as their savior, that they would leave the pit of despair and lay down the weight and the burden of sin in their life and walk in the newness and the freedom that you have for them. God, as we think about your mission for our church, would you empower us and equip us? Lord, would each of us live with a sense of urgency that you could return at any moment? So Lord, we pray for the peace of Israel. Lord, we pray for those who are far from you in every, reach, in every region of our world, God, that you would draw their hearts to you. Lord, in our community, would you give us opportunities to lead those who are far from you to you? And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.